Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 15. And it's entitled, Jesus and John the Baptist. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is, about, is, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those of, born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom that we have to proclaim it. And we pray for Bev now as she comes and brings it to us. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak through her. Lord, we pray that as we've just read, whoever has ears, let them hear. Speak to us, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jean. Amen, church. Good morning. Welcome to Waypoint Church. Welcome to you here with us in the auditorium. Welcome to our online congregation. Welcome to our visitors. I've got my lovely friends who are here with us, Mary, Jen, and Steve. It's their first time here. And welcome to anyone who's here for the first time. You are very welcome. This is the house of the Lord. This is the house of God. And my prayer for this church, which I assume is your prayer as well, is for people to say, let us go up to Waypoint Church because the Lord is there. Amen. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. However, I would be lying to you if I said I found it easy to come and preach this morning. The man who gave me opportunities to preach, to teach from this pulpit is not with us today. The man who invited me 
to come and host the service with him and share this very pulpit with me is not here today. Mark taught me a lot about ministry. He taught me a lot about preaching. And if I preach good today, glory to God. And also give credit to Mark. I don't know about you, but my prayer for Mark, Kathy, and their two beautiful daughters, Naomi and Izzy, is for God to continue to use them in a mighty way. Amen. For them to partner with God faithfully and extend the kingdom of God. And my prayer too for us here at Waypoint Church is for our love for God to grow deeper and deeper. Our love for one another to grow deeper and deeper where we can extend so much love, so much grace, so much mercy and partner together as a one body of Christ for the cause of Christ. That's my prayer for this church. That we stand on the shoulders of the ones who've gone before us and we continue with the work of the Lord. There is so much to be done in the body of Christ. There are souls to be saved. There are people who haven't heard the message of Jesus. And we are privileged to be in a position here in the United Kingdom to be able to worship in freedom. Thanks so much to Pitt for highlighting what we do here with the missions team. And I'm so excited to see how we're going to partner with other missions as we serve God. Amen. That's not my sermon, by the way. <laughs> I felt led by the Spirit to say that. And if I hadn't, I would have been disobeying God. And that wouldn't be a great start to the sermon. Amen. My name is Bev. <laughs> I should have introduced myself first. If you don't know me, I serve here at Waypoint Church as an intern. I'm studying theology, a degree in theology at Moreland's Bible College. And I'm here to, to serve you and to serve God. Perhaps you're wondering, oh, an intern? Isn't she too old to be an intern? <laughs> By the way, I recently celebrated my 45th birthday on the 23rd of July. And when I reached 45, as I was praising the Lord, thanking God for his grace upon my life, thanking God for the opportunity to study at 45, I decided from that day onwards that I'm not going to hide my age, but I'm going to tell everyone about my age. Yes, I'm 45. I'm a student. Praise the Lord. <laughs> It is a blessing for me to be, to be studying. Um, I have a very supportive family. My husband, Paul, is the one who's working whilst I'm studying. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it wasn't of him and my children. And amazing friends that support me and pray for me. And amazing congregation as well. I know you also pray for me, so thank you so much. That's my Bible falling apart. <laughs> thank you, Jean, for that amazing reading. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for the beautiful sounds and tunes. Thank you, Jim, and your beautiful wife, Natalie. Thank you, everyone. Thanks to the sound team. Thank you to the welcome team. Thank you to everyone who serves here at Waypoint Church. Wouldn't be able to do what we do without you. We are so grateful for your service. 
grateful for the time that you give for this congregation. The title of my sermon today is A Moment of Doubt. And the very interesting thing is the person who was doubting was a man that Jesus said amongst those born of women, there hasn't been anyone greater than John the Baptist. So my sermon is going to be in three sections. The first section, we're going to look at the moment of John doubting. The second section is going to be on how Jesus responded to John's doubts. And also the third section is going to be on how Jesus affirmed John the Baptist. I don't know about you, but um, if you really want to know someone or why they behave the way that they do, it's always good to find out about their background. Though I must stress that the way you start is not always how you finish. Some people haven't had a good start, but they finish well. And my prayer for us here at Waypoint Church is for us to finish well, for all of us to finish well as we serve God faithfully. So I'm just going to give you a brief summary of John the Baptist about his birth and about his life before we dwell into um, our scripture for today. Interesting thing is the book of uh, John the Baptist is mentioned in all four Gospels. But Luke was the one who went into detail into the birth of John. So John's parents were Elizabeth and Zachariah. They were of the priesthood lineage. Zachariah was from the Abijah lineage. And Elizabeth was from the Aaron priesthood. This is all found in the book of Luke, Luke 1. And the Bible also goes on to tell us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless and upright people. So John had a good start. He had parents who feared God. The Bible also tells us that they were advanced in their years. They were senior citizens. I don't want to use the word old. I don't want to offend my friend John Blakeman. (laughs) <laughs> no, he's young. He's young. He's very young. You need to see him out there in the garden. I see him on Mondays. I'm here on Mondays serving at the hub. And John is always in the garden. If you want a, a gardener, I can recommend him for you. No mates, yeah. <laughs> no mates rates. You pay him the going price. <laughs> yeah, so they were blameless and upright people. However, the Bible also tells us that they were childless because Elizabeth was barren. She couldn't conceive. But as Zechariah was serving in the temple of the Lord, he had been chosen by Lot for him to go and serve in the temple of the Lord, burning incense. That is what they did in that part of the scripture was in the Old Testament, before the arrival of Jesus. Priests used to go into the temple, burn incense with prayers of the people, 
because they did not have direct access to God. So as Zechariah was in the temple of the Lord burning incense, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel is Gabriel. And whenever Gabriel comes, he's always a bearer of good news. Gabriel is the same angel that came to Mary to say, Mary, you're blessed and highly favored. You're going to be the mother of Jesus. We also meet Gabriel in Daniel 9 when it comes to Daniel. So Zechariah is startled. He's afraid. But the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. I bring you good news. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son. I don't know about you, but that gave me hope. Hope that God answers our prayers. I don't think that Zachariah was still praying for God to bless them with a child if he was advanced in age. Because biologically, that wasn't possible. So persevere in prayer. God hears prayers. God answers our prayers. But Zachariah is, is tattled, of course. He doesn't believe it. I don't know why. Considering that God has got a track record of doing good. He had done it before with Abraham and Sarah. And now he was doing it again. But because of Zechariah's unbelief, the angel of the Lord said, you are not going to be able to speak until that prophecy is fulfilled, that you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He's going to be a joy and delight, not only to you, but to everyone who comes into contact with him. And that John is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. They were given this prophecy. And in due time, Elizabeth had a baby. But prior to Elizabeth having a baby, that same angel Gabriel that went to Mary to deliver the news also told Mary that Elizabeth is six months pregnant. So there's a difference of six months Between Jesus and John. And when Mary appeared to Elizabeth while she was still pregnant with John, Mary, uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary spoke. Baby leaped for joy in recognition of Jesus. And some theologians say John actually announced Jesus whilst he was still in his mother's womb. So the baby is born, John is born, Zachariah still cannot speak, baby is circumcised on the eighth day according to the Jewish custom, and people were like, hmm, what are we going to name this boy? We'll name him Zachariah after the dad. But Elizabeth said, no, we'll name him John. They were like, John? Why call him John? There isn't a John in your family. Let's ask Zachariah. Zachariah, what shall we name this baby? And Zachariah said, give me a tablet. Like sign to say, I'll have a tablet. Young people, it's not the digital tablet. It's tablet, what they used in those days. And he wrote, John. And at that moment, he was able to speak. Why am I stressing this? It's because John was a, a child that came from God. He was a divine child born of elderly parents, 
prophecy given that you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. Elizabeth calls him John. Elizabeth wasn't there when the angel told Zachariah that your son is going to be called John. But this was to fulfill that this child was a divine child from God. And he was to come and announce the ministry of Jesus. He was to come and tell people to repent of their ways. Turn to God for the Messiah was on his way. Amen. So that's the introduction to John. So now going back to our text in Matthew 11. The first section of my uh, sermon was John doubting. So when we meet John now in uh, Matthew 11, John is in prison. He's been imprisoned because he spoke against Herod. Herod Antipas, who was the son of Herod the Great. John went to Rome and took his brother Philip's wife, called Herodias. He divorced his wife, brought Herodias back to Palestine, married her, his brother's wife. So John spoke against it to say, it is unlawful for you to take your brother's wife. John preached on purity. John preached on holiness. John condemned adultery. I think we need more people like John the Baptist in this generation. Look at all that's been happening with our political leaders. We need a John who will stand up and say, Hey, it's not lawful to take someone's wife. Hello? It's not lawful to take someone's husband. But John preached with boldness. Why did he preach with boldness? He wasn't afraid of anyone. It was because he had an encounter with God. The Bible tells us that John lived in the wilderness. That is where God prepared him for his ministry. He wasn't a people pleaser. He wasn't a self pleaser, but he was a God pleaser. Amen, church. But here John is now in prison. Because Herodias has been offended by what John is saying. Be careful of being offended. Don't be offended. Because you don't know how far you're going to take that offense. For Herodias, that offense led her to saying, I want the head of John the Baptist. So John is now wondering, he's in prison. In Herod Antipas' dungeon. According to Josephus, who's a Jewish historian, he says this place is, Macari- is in Macarius, which is near the Dead Sea. And John sends his disciples to say, Can you go to Jesus? Let me read it. So it's 11.2. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who wants to come or should we expect someone else? 
30 years of preparation to ministry. Of preparation to announce that Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is coming. That Jesus is the one. But here John has a moment in his lowest point. He has a moment of doubt to say, are you the one or should we expect another one? I don't know about you, church, but I have had moments like that as well. Where I've doubted to say, God, are you there? Even though I ha- he has a track record of doing good, I could name one thing after another, after another, after another of the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done in my life. But you can still find yourself doubting. Are you the one? Last week, Keith preached on emotional intelligence and reactive grief. And perhaps this is where John was where he's traumatized by being in prison. And it doesn't make sense. His emotions are telling him one thing. He's reacting in a, in a really ridiculous way for him to now start questioning Jesus. Are you the one? Or should we expect another one? Perhaps you're here and you're asking God, God, are you here with us at Waypoint Church? Seriously? Are you asking that question? God, are you here with us at Waypoint Church? Look at this amazing building. Who built it? It was the Lord. Look at what we're doing in the community, transforming people's lives. Look at what we're doing in missions, going beyond borders, going beyond the UK to support other missions, transforming people's lives. I want to tell you, church, that God is here. God is here with us at Waypoint Church. And we're going to walk this journey together with God. Amen? We're not going to leave God outside the door. But we're going to invite him in. And say, Lord, have your way. Have your way in us. Break us. Shape us. Mold us. Transform us to be the people of God that you want us to be. Amen? Purify us, Lord. Send your fire and purify us. Take carnality out of us. Take our flesh out of us. Take our motives out of us. We want to hear from God. We want the vision of God upon this church. Not the vision of man, but the vision of God. The ones who've got gifts of hearing, gifts of prophecy. Come on, bring your gifts out and tell us what the Lord is saying for this season. Amen. Stir up the gifts that are in you. God gives gifts to different people. Prophets, teachers, um, whatever. (laughs) Different gifts. Apostles. Gifts of speaking in tongues, gifts of faith, gifts of prophecy. Stir those gifts in you and let us move together in unison. Where are the prayer warriors? Where are the gatekeepers? We need to proclaim that this is the land of God. Proclaiming in prayer. Proclaiming that our children are not going to be taken by the enemy. Proclaiming that none of us is going to be lost Proclaiming that the ones who are not here in church today, that they are going to come to church. Proclaiming that anyone who is suffering from anxiety and fear of coming here to church, to fill up all these seats with the people of God. Amen, church. 
But let's see how Jesus responds. Jesus responds. That's verse 4 to 6. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Amen. This is to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah in 61, Isaiah 61, prophesied about this. To say the Messiah was going to come and heal people. That the Messiah was going to come and restore sight to the blind. He was going to come and raise the dead. He was going to come and proclaim the good news. That's also in Isaiah 35. So Jesus does not respond by saying, this is ridiculous. Why is John doubting? But he points him to scripture. Jesus himself, the embodiment of the word, the word himself, he points John's disciples to scriptures to say, go and tell John what is happening. When we have doubt in our lives, we need to pick up the Bible and read the word of God. I know for some people it's not easy to read this book. But pray. Pray for God to give you wisdom and understanding. Pray for God to illuminate your mind. Pray for God to speak to you. This is the manual to our lives. If we want to live victorious lives, this is the manual church. The Bible is the word of God. We are created in the image of God. I don't know about you, when you buy an electrical gadget, TV, maybe, it comes with a manual. You need to read the manual. Because if you don't read the manual, you don't get the full functions. If you don't read the manual, there are some things that are there that you will discover 10 years after you've had that TV. Oh, I didn't know it was a smart TV. Meanwhile, you've missed out. It won't work to its maximum, to its maximum capacity of how the manufacturer intended it to be if you don't read the manual. I leave it all to my husband when we have a new gadget in the home. Too complicated for me. If anything goes wrong, I just uh, blame it on him. (laughs) However, I can't blame it on him for the Bible. I have to read it for myself. This is our written word from God, spoken over our lives. Amen. If we want to know the mind of Christ, we need to read the Bible. Last week, Keith shared with us on Joshua. And Joshua 1.8 says... One eight. Right, where is it? This is where you, your age gives you away. You know, when your eyesight is a bit dodgy, you go like this, you go like that. 
Perhaps I need a bigger print. Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Not some, but everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Amen. The prosperity of the Lord. Not talking of human prosperity of say, oh, I got a car, I got a house, I got a degree, I got this. No. We're talking of prosperity that will bring transformation in people's lives. Spiritual prosperity. Spiritual prosperity where we are a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Spiritual prosperity where if someone is struggle, struggling with life, we can quote the scriptures for them or we can point them to the scriptures. Why? Because we will have read it for ourselves and we will know what it says. Amen. So Jesus pointed John to scriptures. And I'm sure that gave John some comfort whilst he was in prison. To know that Jesus is, is quoting the scriptures. Let us not dissociate the Old Testament from the New Testament. It's one book. It's a continuation. The New Testament is a continuation of the Old Testament. It is one book. If Jesus himself could quote the Old Testament, why don't we? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was quoting the scriptures back to the devil. We are in a spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual warfare, church. The enemy is at hand to bring division in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about Waypoint Church. I'm talking about the entire body of Christ. The enemy knows that his time is up. His time is short. And he does not want to see people being saved. Because he wants to see people being tormented in hell. And it's up to us. It's up to us to wake up. It's up to the British church to wake up. And know that we are in a spiritual warfare. And you don't go in there. You have to be strong. Strong in the Lord. Strong in the spirit of the Lord. You don't go there by might nor by power. But by the spirit of God. And how do we get the spirit of God? It's by aligning ourselves with the word of God. And reading his word. Seeking God in prayers. Seeking God in fasting, making fasting part of our lives, a lifestyle. I'm not talking about fasting for dieting. I'm talking about fasting to hear from God. If we want to move to the next level of where God wants us to be, not where we humans want to be, but where God wants Waypoint Church to be, we need to go in prayer and fasting. Individually and corporately as a church. Not to seek human wisdom, but to seek the mind of God. Because when you shut everything else out, you hear from God. John the Baptist 
lived in the wilderness. And whilst he was in the wilderness, he heard from God. And I'm not saying we should go and live in the wilderness, no. But we should consecrate ourselves, set time to be in the presence of God alone and hear from God. Amen. How are we doing for time? Are we okay for time? <laughs> Hope so. And the third section is Jesus affirming John. So that's verse 7 to 15. As, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? By this, Jesus was just affirming that John was not a reed swayed by the wind. His faith was strong. He was strong because he spent time with the Lord. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. John's clothes were caramel skin and a leather belt. He was a simple man. I don't know if I can take the camel skin. I could have the leather belt. could do with the leather belt. But camel skin, hmm. Yeah, that's a bit too far. But it wasn't for John. You know why? Because when God calls you to a certain assignment, his grace is sufficient for you to do what other people cannot do. He gives you that, this supernatural grace. That other people can look at you and think, you're crazy. What are you doing that for? But for you to be normal. Because God gives you that grace. Then, what did you go out to see? That's verse 9. Yes, I tell you. More than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way before you. So, again here, Jesus is quoting scriptures. When he says, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. This is Malachi 3.1. Once again, Jesus is referring to scriptures, Rachel. We need to read the word of God. I'll read Malachi 3.1 for you. So I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So this was God who was speaking through Malachi. Scriptures, scriptures, scriptures. We affirm people by what the Bible says about them. We don't affirm people by what we think. But we go back to scriptures. Verse 11. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Despite his doubt... Jesus is still affirming that John is the greatest among those born of women. So whether we have doubt here today, 
That doesn't mean that you lose your faith. It's okay to have doubt. But at the same time, don't stay in that state of mind of doubt. Go and read the scriptures and hear what God is saying. Amen. God is good, church. All the time, all the time, all the time, God is good. So I was trying to to understand what Jesus meant when he said, though he said John was the greatest, but then he also goes on to say, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I had to go to several scholars to find out what that means. So John was of the old covenant. And he was the last prophet of the old covenant. But John did not live to see Jesus dying, resurrection, and ascension. So what Jesus was saying here was, of the old covenant, John was the greatest Because he came to announce Jesus. He announced the ministry of Jesus whilst he was still in his mother's womb. Because he was filled by the power of God. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. John had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. John had the privilege of hearing the voice of the Lord after baptizing Jesus, the Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. And John had the voice of the Lord saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So of course he would be the greatest. Baptizing Jesus, announcing the birth of Jesus. But because he didn't live to see the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We who are now in the new covenant have a greater privilege, a greater affirmation from God than John. Amen, church. I found that um, quite tricky to understand, but I pray that God will speak to you. And then Jesus goes on to say, now we are in verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. We have to, we are in a spiritual warfare like I've already said. For us to see the kingdom of God coming upon us, coming upon our nation, for a revival to come, for people's lives to be transformed, We have to be forceful. We have to be forceful, church. I'm not talking about forceful of saying, God, do this, God, do that. No, forceful of spiritual warfare, of proclaiming our identity, of proclaiming who we are, of proclaiming that we are chosen, we are children of God. We are marked by a seal of approval. We can go to God in the name of Jesus. We have that authority, church. Amen. And then verse, uh, verse 13. 
for all the prophets of, and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Whenever you hear God saying that, it means it's something serious. He who has ears, let him hear. Perhaps you're going through a tough time this morning in this season of your life. Sorry, worship team, could you come up, please? Could you come up, please? Thank you. Perhaps life is not going the way that you had planned. You had it mapped out to say by the age of such such a time. I'd have done this. I'd have been married. I'd have been a grandma. I'd have started my business. I'd have moved house. I would have, I would have. I would have been promoted at work. And it's all not happening. And perhaps you're asking, God, are you there? Was John said, Jesus, are you the one? We know that, yes, Jesus is the one. But maybe we have reversed the question to say, God, are you there? And my answer to you, church, is yes, he is there. Yes, he is there. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way for us to have a relationship with God, church. God is there. God hears you. God gets to where you are, to the level where you are. I know sometimes it's, for me, well, for me personally, it blows my mind for me to know that God can reach to me, to me, with all of my sins, with all of my faults. And God is saying yes to you too. That yes, I can reach out to you. Whatever that you're struggling with, mental health illness, depression, high blood pressure, Diabetes, chaos in your marriage, chaos in your family, chaos with your in-laws, being bullied at school, being bullied in the workplace. Maybe you're thinking, nobody likes me, but God loves you. The reason why it was hard for the Jews to understand that Jesus was the Messiah was because they were under oppression of the Roman Empire. And they thought that when the Messiah comes, he is going to set us free from the oppression of the Roman Empire. But Jesus came for the one. He came for you. He came for the one. He came for you, Kevin. He came for you, Ruth. Jesus hung around with tax collectors. He hung around with sinners. He hung around with prostitutes. He hung around with people who were marginalized in society. The outcasts. It was because of love. 
And that same love that Jesus extended to them is the same love that he's extending to us too. He leaves the 99 and comes for the one. He leaves the 99 sheep and comes for the one to come and reach to you to where you are, where you are at right now in this moment. God is there. Don't ever doubt the existence of God. Don't ever doubt whether God is there because he is there. Perhaps you're here today. Or watching online. And you're thinking, how do I access God? My life doesn't make sense. I've tried to do this and that in my own strength. But it's not happening. How do I access God? It's through Jesus. Jesus said he is the way. And he is the only way. If you haven't got Jesus. If you haven't said yes to Jesus being king and lord of your life. You're dead. You're dead because you're living in sin. But Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Bring all your burdens to me. And I will give you rest. Come to me. I'll make you new. I'll make you brand new. I'll give you a new life. I'll walk with you every day. That loneliness that you feel when you're in your home. You don't have to feel lonely if you have Jesus with you. Because he he imparts his Holy Spirit into us when you say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in us, equips us, empowers us to do what God wants us to do.